Greetings, glorious humans, gentle ladies, lad men, ladies and gentlemen, dreamers and dreams alike, and welcome to the Devolver Digital Forecast here at forecast.devolverdigital.com. Hi, I'm JM, and this is Robbie. Is Robbie? Today, oh, sorry. How dare you? What were you going to say? I was going to say people listening to this don't realize that we were just having we were having a conversation right before you did that and the way you just switch and go straight into it is really amazing nobody's <laughs> ever gonna know and then i, mean, I just you interrupted in. you when you're in when you're in full flow here we go oh! i mean that's that's our <laughs> dynamic <laughs> we're gonna stick to it <laughs> sorry as you were saying I don't even remember. Uh, oh, today, God. we're going to have a wonderful guest on the show, and his name is Robbie P. Robbie P., welcome to the show. Oh, hello. Thanks so much for having me. Robbie's here to talk to us about the wonders and marvels of marketing. <laughs> Brought to you by Devolver Digital. I mean, you didn't have to laugh. That's my, that's my corporate nightmare world laugh. Oh, okay. I'm used to that, you know, <laughs> in, in my world of uh, high-powered marketing and mm. PR. I'm mm-hmm. used to that. I'm used to that. I should have I should have picked up on it, really. But you, you're obviously very, very talented, you know, doing the high-powered corporate laugh thing. So that mm. I, I was unable, I was unaware that uh, you were just merely in character. Mm-hmm. This is very good. It's very good. Thank this you. This is why you are an actor. Uh, it, it is. Because I medically can't stay myself for more than uh, seven hours at a time. Well, I love all of your personalities, Jim. Oh, shucks, Robbie. <laughs> you clearly <laughs> haven't met them all. <laughs> yeah, so uh, this week we are going to talk a little bit more about uh, the industry side of things. Because uh, I think I mentioned it on last week's show, and we talked about it uh, off the off 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 mic. Uh, that we're going to try and switch things up, keep keep the keep the uh, the punters guessing. Robbie, what's a punter? A punter is well, I I think the actual definition is uh, someone who punts, as in to a, kick a ball on a. There's that. There is, I was thinking of punting, which you do on a river. Um, with a pontoon? With a punting rod. Robbie, uh, what's a punting rod? Okay, so I feel like we've gone slightly off track here. <laughs> it's not that I don't know what a punting rod is. It's just I feel that we should <laughs> try and just like try and coerce this conversation back to where we want it to go. And that is called PR. Now, a uh, punter in this context is um, they're the people who pay to come and see your show if you're a band, or they are the people who go on to a store and buy our video games. You mean That's the precious consumer? Are. The precious consumer, yeah. Oh, the devourers. Our most valued assets. No, assets is the wrong word, isn't it? No, that's the right word. 
Is commodities? It? Oh yeah. Well, it's all of those proles that we resources, own, but we treat with absolute disdain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, them. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today: is how to manipulate the people into buying your shitty game. Now, Robbie, how long have you been doing marketing? Uh, well, I started working in uh, the video games industry uh, around about just over seven years ago. Um, okay. And I basically started at the very bottom and had to pick things up as I went along, really. I didn't have any sort of formal training. Um, I went to university, but I didn't study anything to do with PR or marketing or journalism or any form of business whatsoever. Um, I spent a number of years uh, just working regular day jobs, work it, worked in a record shop for a while, um, worked in a Toys R Us, got fired, um, worked in a clothes shop, got fired from that as well. Uh, and then eventually I uh, somehow ended up sort of chance in my arm meeting some people who worked in video games and over a, over the course of a few years of you know hanging around <laughs> eventually uh, a, um, an opportunity cropped up and I went for it and I, even though I had no experience whatsoever uh, somehow I ended up with a job so yeah so I, I've been doing this for just over seven years long story oh. short <laughs> too late <laughs> You can always so, count on me to extend a story. <laughs> That's another PR tip for you. Is that a PR tip? No. Oh. Uh, so you've been doing this for a while, so you've mm-hmm. learned a lot, and you have some. So you said we didn't. You didn't really have a structure going into this. Would you like to kind of talk about what you have in your notes? And then I have some questions, but then I'll also kind of listen to what you've got and ask some more questions along the way. Yeah, why not? We can just freeform okay. this. We'll just spitball it. All right. Because we're a couple of professionals, JM. And, you know, we can just ad lib. See? <laughs> you left an appropriate space for me there in order to carry on, which is what I'm going to do. <laughs> so, if I'm being honest, Ravi, I was... Oh, would you stop? <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. I'm going to start now. All so, right. um, okay. Yeah. So going back to what I was saying before, um, I came into this all uh, very inexperienced. Um, you know, I, at the very most, I could say that I had customer service experience, you know, Um that was really the only kind of experience other than uh, playing lots of video games. Customer service is really, uh, really valuable. It's a really, really good skill. It's undervalued, like... I think, a lot by a lot of people. And funnily enough, the first time I uh, went to America, I was like genuinely sort of taken aback <laughs> by the level of customer service, particularly in like uh, restaurants, cafes, you know. Uh, yeah. uh, diners and stuff I mean it's unfortunate that that is kind of you know directly related to you know them earning tips and bolstering their income because they get paid a pittance but the yeah. the customer service was just like 
I was like, it should just be like this anyway, everywhere, because it's lovely and everyone has a nice time. And they should get paid a good wage and then the tips should be a reward for doing amazing customer service instead of just trying to make up their wage. Probably I absolutely 100% agree with you. I spent 10 years in the restaurant industry, the service industry, doing that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, it's, it's the whole history of tipping is dumb. And uh, the whole process is very silly, and it's an excuse to underpay, uh, underpay people. Yeah, it's um, lame. It's hella lame. It is, as the French say. Yeah. Um, I believe they say so, lame. Hella lame. Hella lame. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Such a beautiful language. <laughs> um, so you had a history with customer service. Mm-hmm. Just talking to strangers, making them feel heard and treating them with professional courtesy yeah and i i worked in uh so i worked sort of parallel to video games in a way because i I worked in a big entertainment store at one point and uh i helped manage the uh the video games kind of department of that of that store uh, along with other people we had a really cool team there and um it was just yeah it's it's fun talking to people and just especially in, in something like video games where it's like everyone's slightly different they like different types of games mm-hmm. they play different types of consoles and there's also a lot of uh the one thing it really taught me actually was like how often people have genuine questions about um either a console or a video game because they because they don't know that like there's there's always someone new discovering all of this for the first time Mm. And it's quite easy to forget those people sometimes when you're trying to communicate what you're doing in video games. So I found that was quite eye-opening, you know, just in a very basic sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, really, at the end of the day, I think getting back to what my point was is that um, I didn't really have any experience when I came into uh, doing PR and marketing in the video games industry. And it's it's something that everyone can learn. So I mm-hmm. think that's, that's the kind of thing, uh, that's the kind of message that I always try and get across to people and particularly people working at studios or developers, or even just people who are looking to get into the industry. If they, if you want to work on that sort of communication aspect of things, you can do it. It's, you know, certain types of people, you know, are perhaps, uh, less, um, I don't know, uh, enthusiastic about doing it than others they may not feel comfortable you know um putting themselves out there in certain ways or they may not have confidence in their uh ability um but you can learn you can you can figure it all out from lots of different places most people if you ask them for advice will probably give it to you and uh well hopefully even things like this podcast for example might help people who maybe aren't sure what they're doing or need a bit of advice about how to work on their PR and marketing skills could maybe get something out of it but really it's it's less about um it's less about kind of having book smarts if you know what I mean um and more about just having just putting in lots of effort and having passion for it having passion for what you do and if you particularly if you're a developer or you work at a studio you should be pretty passionate especially you know about the games that you're working on um so in that sense there's really nobody better placed to help sell a game 
than the people that are, that are close to it. So, Robbie, you'd mentioned um, before uh, that when we work with developers, sometimes you've talked to people about you've given them kind of a quick rundown of skills they'll they'll want to utilize mm-hmm. um, when doing interviews and when talking to press and and that sort of thing. And a lot of folks that a lot of people in general, but certainly a lot of folks that make games are um, communicate verbal communication with others is not uh, a strength. Yeah, for a lot of folks. Yeah, and that's that's fine. Um, you know, uh, if you're not much of a talker, nobody's going to force you to talk more. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, it's like, if you only have so much to say, that's all you're going to say. Um, I think if what you're asking is kind of uh, how best should, uh, how best can people prepare for mm-hmm. being in those types of situations... Really, it's all about um, being comfortable. Uh, so, at the end of the day, if you're if you're really not comfortable speaking to, say, if you're a developer and you are uh, given the opportunity to uh, do an interview with a member of the media, if you at the end of the day, if you're really really not comfortable or not confident enough to do it, don't do it. Um, if you're working with um, a a partner so it could be a publisher or it could be uh, a PR agency or something like that um, and you're uh, happy to let somebody else take over those responsibilities for you um, that's absolutely fine uh, you've done it before you've um, appeared on live streams and uh, hmm. various kind of talking heads and interview Vox Pops and things like that at shows when either developers haven't been available or, um, yeah, they're not kind of, uh, they're not feeling great or they don't feel comfortable appearing yeah. in, in public and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think anyone should ever feel that, uh, feel that pressure to do everything yeah. themselves. Um, but there are a few things that you can kind of arm yourself with if you, if you are going to dive in or you are thinking about it um so obviously uh, you're going to know everything about your game but try to just boil everything try to boil everything down into uh a, a, as as concise a way as possible so can we say like bite-sized pieces yeah so it's less about it being kind of like pr spiel um, you know, mm-hmm. because you're still going to be um, coming from a place of knowledge. Um, but if if only for your own sake, kind of try to, uh, yeah, whittle everything down into more bite-sized, manageable um, chunks so that, A, it's easier for you to remember, um, and B, you're not kind of getting lost in the weeds if you are in a, a time-sensitive situation or uh, you're with someone doing an interview who really doesn't know anything about your game and is genuinely Mm. curious to hear more about it Um, because you're going to encounter more of those people than you are going to encounter people who know everything about your game. You're probably not going to encounter anyone who knows everything about your game. (laughs) (laughs) So you kind of have to treat everyone with the same respect and the same uh, knowledge base. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when someone kind of shows themselves, like if someone, if you're showing off a fighting game and someone 
knows about fighting games then you can adjust your jargon accordingly exactly exactly Uh, it's always worth before starting even you know when you first um meet a journalist for the first time or something like that um ask them some questions you know like uh Mm -hmm. have they heard of the game uh do they like other games in the genre have they played any other games you know that are similar um uh, what's interested them about the game because then it will give you some context as for why you're talking to them as well so that kind of brings me to a question about audience mm-hmm. like who are you talking to and how do you talk to different groups of people how do you talk to yeah i mean how do you talk to yeah how do you talk to different audiences? okay so the main thing to do is research now chances are if you are working in the video games industry anyway, you probably uh, read a lot of video game websites, watch a lot of uh, videos on YouTube, or uh, spend a lot of time on Twitter, or watch a lot of streamers on Twitch, whatever it may be. Um, so while you're doing all of that, um, it's good to be conscious of where people go to learn certain things about different types of video games. Mm-hmm. So doing your research is important. Um, and you might even already have your own favorites. So you might have favorite websites or favorite writers, favorite streamers, YouTubers, whatever it may be. Um, are they the type of people who might be interested in what you're working on? If so, try reaching out to them. Um and you want to identify where the audience is for your game. So sometimes it's better to focus on smaller goals, like building up a community, uh, working with more uh, niche, smaller influencers or journalists Mm -hmm. that speak more directly to the type of person who's going to play your game. Um, Because as as great as, you know, huge uh, websites with, you know tons and tons of traffic like IGN or GameSpot or whatever um you know they can be an amazing billboard for a lot of games but they might they might not actually be right for your game they might not you know reach the eyeballs that your game needs to reach in order to be a success Mm. so you have to think about who will be the most receptive to your game and start with them um Mm -hmm. if you're lucky then uh word of mouth you know, a few articles here and there, a few videos here and there, you know, could start to create a little bit of buzz and then that could open up doors to bigger outlets or bigger YouTube channels, streamers, this that, and the other. But um, yeah, don't, don't be, don't automatically assume that uh, any, any of your, your PR for your game or your marketing for your game needs to, you know, immediately shoot for like, yeah, like an IGN or whatever, because yeah. it, it, it's, one is not always possible uh and that goes for everybody that that does not just uh it's not a a walled garden that's only available to the biggest and best publishers like bigger big publishers will still miss out on opportunities with big websites you know because of various reasons timing um type of a game you know what their what their audience is interested in at the time um so yeah don't neglect the uh the smaller out- outlets and avenues for you to get your message out there um you uh help run our you well you manage our discord and i don't really have you know 
a, a, a great deal of working knowledge in building communities on discord but i know that it's a hugely valuable asset that we have um that if you put a lot of work into it you get a lot of reward from it because you build up a big passionate audience who are hungry to hear more about your games and share news with each other and things like that so it's kind of like eventually what you want to do is kind of uh let other people do all the talking for you that's what pr is really it's it's making other people say your words <laughs> so you don't have to <laughs> <laughs> you make it sound so evil robbie <laughs> not at all <laughs> um so yeah, you, you started to touch on one of the things that people can do building up a, a community mm-hmm. uh, on Discord or, or, or some other you know place where folks can interact. And, and I realized that we've been talking about how to talk to people, who you're trying to talk to a little bit. But um, we haven't actually really talked about like the way, like what are the things you can do as someone with a small budget, a small team, or someone who's trying to help uh, a small game? Like what are the things that you can actually do? I mean, do you write an article and then submit it to uh, a site? Do you want them to write an article for you? What kind of videos? Where do you put those videos? Like, like what kind of, what do you mean by making videos for your game? You know, once upon a time, people would, like, you wanted to sell a game, you'd buy advertisements, you'd buy newspaper space, you'd make a commercial. Making a commercial, is that? Like, what are, what are, what are the things that you found that people do that are effective um, and, and help them to get their game talked about you want me to answer this all at once well if you can i mean keep it simple that's all you have to do keep it simple yeah so we live so right now we live in a world it's a 24-hour news cycle right Mm -hmm. so it never fucking stops um that goes for journalists streamers influencers everyone there's a constant stream of um new games being announced updates for games being announced Uh, breaking stories all kinds of shit so your job should always be to make things as easy as possible for those people to uh understand digest Mm -hmm. um and some good questions to ask yourself before committing to like a, a push on pr or marketing is first thing says how do you want to be covered um so that is you could ask yourself questions like uh what what sort of headlines are you looking for um you know what are the headlines that you want to read about your game where do you want where do you want those to appear (laughs) you know obviously taking into account what i just said about (laughs) aiming for the big guys first um uh think about the medium so you were saying like um do you write something do you create a video um you know what do you do the in an ideal situation the best thing is to try and do as much of it as you can mm-hmm. um because it's all valuable um but it's good to identify things like if you're doing your first push yeah is a written press release going to do it on its own or is a video a better way in which to articulate what your game is you know um is is there anything stopping you from just just having a video of you just going hello this is who i am this is my game it's pretty cool look at it right over there it's making lots of noises and uh you know rather than just sending people uh, an email uh, you know or whatever um so those are all the sorts of questions you want to be asking yourself how and how much of yourself do you want to give to these people 
first time out as well? Like, do you want to announce everything about your game or are you just teasing it? Or do you have a build of your game that you'd like to give to certain people? You know, are you that confident where it's like, oh, I really think that people would uh, understand and get the most out of what I'm trying to show them if I literally just give them the game to play? So there are lots of different things that you need to figure out before you really get stuck in uh, to uh, your PR and marketing. Um, And you want to have a plan for all of that, of course. Um, The simplest way to start a plan, I find, is to draw up a little timeline. You know, when is your when do you want to launch? Uh, Are there any other uh, marketing factors that play into that? Do you have a part? partnerships with any uh, platforms like a Nintendo or PlayStation or Epic Games or Steam where uh, they have advised you about some marketing uh, windows for some added support from them, whether it be a PlayStation blog or a Nintendo Direct, for example. Um, Think about uh, where events might lie. I mean, not right now, obviously, but um, (laughs) think about where events might pop up, you know, your PAX, Gamescom, egx game uh i said gamescom uh e3 that's the other one um yeah anything like that um do you want to go to those shows do you would you get any benefit from this all would of these you say there's questions. a benefit to those shows yeah i mean it, i think it really depends on um what your what your budget looks like and what you want to get out of it and and, and like if it if it's really beneficial for your game Something like, mm-hmm. um, for example, this year at PAX, uh, we, PAX East, mm-hmm. we had Fall Guys. And it was the first time in uh, in the US where we'd had, you know, the game multiplayer on the floor uh, where people could play it mm-hmm. publicly. And mm-hmm. that was a great place to show it because, uh, you know, lots and lots of traffic. So plenty of people to come and play together. Um, and we also had crowds around the game as well. So people could see other people playing it, could understand what was going on, uh, and then get involved for themselves. And that's, uh, that was, that's beneficial for a game like that. It's good for people to see that in action, to see that it works, to see how it works. Um, but you know, a smaller narrative driven single player experience that requires headphones to get the most out of it. Gods will be watching uh, was really hard to show. It's a hard game to show, exactly. And it's like, there will probably be plenty of people who will stop by, play the game and enjoy it. And you could get some press attention. You could get a lot of attention for it, but it's, it's, it's weighing up, you know, the, the, the cost versus um, the, the potential audience that you could reach. That's the advantage really of doing a convention is getting press to see your game, right? I mean, it's wonderful to have people. See, so, I mean, I've done more conventions than I've done. I mean, I've, I don't do marketing. It makes me sick. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but conventions are a great opportunity for, for folks to see. First of all, it's a tremendous experience. I think I've heard so many devs talk about it. Seeing people play your game for the first time, like strangers walk up and experience your game, is a terrifying and eye-opening experience. Mm-hmm. I remember Gabe Cazillo of Ape Out uh, was just was equally in love and mortified by <laughs> like what was going on because like watching people suck at Ape Out is painful. 
Um, but then when you see people get it and you learn what people, you know, there's, there's the way you assume people will experience your game. And then there's the way that human beings actually do Precisely. when they're experiencing your game for the first yeah. time. Yeah. So that's, a, and getting to see that is, yeah. Yeah. That's, so that goes back to what we were saying earlier about, um, you have, you have to assume that everybody who meets you sees your game or plays it for the very first time, you know, or, or comes to play it is, is completely oblivious they don't care yeah. who you are they don't know who you are they don't know what your game is um they're probably going to ask stupid questions um and that's what you have to remember like you have to remember that um you're you're bringing something yeah into the world that didn't exist before so people are going to have a lot of questions about it people aren't or not everybody's going to get it right away um sure you know and i think we talked about this before on a previous podcast about you know, it does help um, to, you know, kind of have a bit of a thick skin because you yeah. you 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 can come in for criticism. Um, some of that criticism can happen right to your face. <laughs> so, yeah, some people were born without tact. Yeah, exactly. Um, particularly people who play video games. But um, yeah, but you can plan for all of this. You know, there's yeah. there's no reason for you to go into all of this blind. I would, I would dread for anybody to walk into it and and have no idea what to expect, <laughs> and then after a day, yeah. just be like, oh fuck it, I want to go home. Um, yeah, uh, because you're not allowed to go home. You have to come back and do it again for another four days. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's a good learning opportunity too to figure out how to talk about the game. Yes, exactly. So how to explain it to people, and then when when you do have an interview with someone from a game's website you have already kind of picked up a way to talk exactly think about how how do you want your game to be perceived you know it's um it's important to think about that um because then when you are speaking to the relevant people about it um then you can be clear you can be clear about who you are uh what the game is how it works and why you think that person would like it you know, it, it really helps mm. to just have, kind of have all of that kind of set in your mind. Um, you know, there's no point, we talked about this before as well, but there's no point in just bullshitting people or telling them what they want to hear um, or anything like that or 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 tr- trying to appease people. Like, mm-hmm. just, be, just be confident enough in yourself and your game to be able to stand up in front of a room full of people naked preferably (laughs) (laughs) completely naked and go this is my game this is why i made it this is why i think it's cool this is why i i think you might like it or this is why i hope you all like it um and yeah that's it i mean it helps if get you make naked it helps if robbie's tips to selling your game get naked naked job done easy as that (laughs) what we can do now is um i can talk a little bit about um some of the things that can help you with that messaging if you like so um this is a really exciting part that we uh like to talk about in the world of pr and marketing and that's assets Uh, now, what your assets are, are things like uh, your screenshots, which uh, you'd be surprised at how many people 
uh, managed to take very bad screenshots of the <laughs> otherwise very good game. <laughs> so be sure to do, take lots and lots of screenshots and get lots and lots of um, kind of uh, feedback on what makes the game, you know, what makes it pop, what really shows it off. What's even better than screenshots is GIFs. If you do animated GIFs, um, we have found a lot of games ourselves on Twitter because of cool looking GIFs, you know, mm-hmm. drawing us in in the That's first place. we got place. Downwell. Downwell, my friend Pedro. Um, I assume various others. I don't pay attention to the mm-hmm. games that we sign. Mm-hmm. Fuck them. But um, yeah, so having those are really good, um, particularly uh, for Twitter and social media, but also when you are uh, doing any form of email marketing, uh, having gifts, you can put gifts in the bodies of emails now, so you don't need to have walls of text necessarily to explain things to people. If your game mm-hmm. has like a really cool mechanic or a nice animation style um, or a really unique art style or something like that, um, a gif can say just as much as a paragraph um, and sometimes do an even better job. Um, so I've said for a while now that a picture is worth a thousand words. That's something I've said. Wow, that's um, such an amazing term that you've just coined off the top of your head there, JM. Thank you. That's really you good. Much. That's really yeah. good. I'm, I'm going to steal that one. I'll credit Please. you. I'll credit you, though. Please. Um, so moving on from screenshots and, and GIFs, um, you want to think about trailers. Um, so a trailer is a, a bit more tricky um, I would say, as as someone who is an absolute novice at video editing, <laughs> I um, the idea of uh, cutting together a trailer for a video game fills me with horror. Um, mm-hmm. But there are lots of uh, very professional people out there who are very mm-hmm. nice and can make really amazing trailers um, and help get those out the door. And if you have, and if you have no money, but you have friends <laughs> who ha- are, are video editors and can help you out, lean on them. You know, uh, ask people to help out, share bartering and all that stuff. But I mean, I, I, I guess this is just something that's really important to me, and I've, I've seen it in my time with Devolver. Is that we, you pay people for their work? Oh yeah, we pay people for their work, and everyone should yeah. be paid, praised, rewarded, however you feel. But what I'm saying is, if you've got friends who are willing to help, don't be shy about it. Don't be absolutely. Don't be like, oh no, I can't ask you to help out. Like, if the, if people want to help you out, great. And you should yeah. same as you should, you know, want to offer your friends help as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think you should pay. I think like when I I've asked friends to help me on projects, and I can't pay them what they're worth. Like mm. you know. But I can pay them something. And as someone who has done projects for other people, uh, projects, you know, especially if you're making a trailer, something that you're making to try to sell your game to people, and the objective of, you know, hypothetically of getting your game out there and making money on it. So you are in a business relationship with this trailer. Um, it's fair to pay people something. Especially Now, maybe you don't expect... Hmm? Especially if they're magic jelly beans. Sure. <laughs> Sure, you can give people weed if that's what you what they want to be paid in. Is that what, is that what people say? Magic jelly beans are. Did no, I just I did just... I just make a, an obtuse drug <laughs> reference just... without realizing? 
I thought that was your whole thing. Oh. This was all drug references as far as I could tell. This whole the thing. Whole assets thing. This whole thing is about gifts drugs. across. This whole thing is about uh, borders. But yes, yeah. if you can't do something, pay someone to do it. Um, yeah. Because there are plenty of talented people out there who can help you out. Um, and call in favors. Call yeah, in favors. Uh, so uh, trailers is good. Something that you can do yourself, though, is probably uh, grab all of that footage. So you can grab tons and tons of footage. You can uh, have this as your B-roll, which is really useful for um, people who work at media outlets because so much content these days is so heavily video focused. And while mm. everyone may want to play every single game that they're covering, sometimes it's easier if they can play a bit of the game or get a feel for the game if you just send them a whole bunch of footage and then they can cut that into whatever video that they want to do. So that's important. Yeah, B-roll well. is really important. Yeah, it's under undervalued, definitely. A cool trailer uh. is awesome. Screenshots and GIFs are great. Um, but B-roll is super valuable. Um, having having gameplay video is something we've used a lot mm-hmm. um, in interview sessions yep. or um, because that's another way. Sometimes when doing like an interview and that sort of thing, people have had to like someone like it's it's some there's like there's talking and driving like someone's got to drive the game yeah. while someone else talks about the game because it's hard to do. It's really hard to do both yeah, it is. Uh, and do either justice. So having B-roll is a great opportunity if you're a small team and you've only got one person comfortable in an interview situation yep. to have gameplay on hand that you can show people and share with people. Yeah. We work in a visual medium, right? Video games oh, is yeah. a visual medium. So use that, use that uh, to your advantage. You can take screenshots, you can take GIFs, you can take B-roll and you can cut trailers together all out of your one game. And that's, you know, that gives you four different ways uh, to encourage people to share what you have. So that's really good. Um, something that takes a little bit more work um, but it should be something that everybody is doing anyway because ultimately you have to sell your game somewhere. Um, but uh, spending time on key art and logos um, for every possible location, storefronts, social media, apps, physical products if you're doing boxed products or whatever. Um, and you can look up the resolution exactly. for these. Yeah, it's all, it's all there. It's all Googleable. Uh, is that a word? It, it is now. It is now. Um, language is fluid. Language Robbie. is fluid, and that is my rule in public relations, or as I like to call it, public relationals. Public resources. There we go. So, uh, yeah, key art and a logo. A logo may not seem like the most important thing in the world, but you never know when it's going to be beneficial to have a cool logo that's just very easily transferred to different places. Um, because who knows? So you're saying don't just flippantly tack a logo on. Think about the logo, the emblem for your studio. Is that what you're saying? Well, the studio, the the game that you're working on. Okay. Because who knows? You could end up uh, being nominated for awards or something mm. like that. And then suddenly everyone's going to see your logo completely mm. out of context. So, um, yeah, have a little think about things like that. Um, but I think most people would have that kind of already going on in their brain. That's perhaps less about um you know your pr and marketing but well no that's not true actually um because it's very important to think about your branding as we all know brand is king (laughs) 
I didn't know what to say. <laughs> no, that's fine. We'll do a little break there. Um, I... <laughs> So you talked about being honest in your work, mm-hmm. um, with with you know sharing your game um, and generating you know. So I I I I don't really care for selling things. Mm-hmm. I like to demonstrate a product. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm at conventions or when I'm doing a stream, I don't like to sell people a game, um, but I want to show them the game. Yeah, because that's what's important to me is giving a good demonstration of what the game is uh-huh. and what strengths it has and even what weaknesses it has. Like or what what might not be appealing to everyone yeah because uh there are so many people who like to buy games and play games that you don't have to appeal to everyone precisely you don't have to be universally so um uh there's a thing called hype never heard of it and (laughs) i detest it uh i think it's i i don't like hype um but it's valuable it's a valuable tool in marketing it can be yeah. Right? It can be. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And I guess, I guess I'm curious as to what the balance is between hype and honesty. Uh, well, I think what we do specifically at Devolver is uh, try to build hype using honesty. And I think that's really mm-hmm. ultimately uh, the, the, the truest place that you can come from. Uh, and the and the only really valuable place that you can come from, particularly if you're a smaller developer that maybe has a lot more riding on a game being successful, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's no value whatsoever in uh, overselling something or um, trying to hype something up uh, when you kind of when you when there's an underlying feeling that you're being dishonest or you're yeah. or you don't have 100 percent faith in yeah in what you're in what you're promoting at the end of the day so it goes back to what i was saying at the very beginning about um having passion it's very mm-hmm. very difficult to even as you were saying just show someone a game and try and get them it's impossible to get somebody else excited about something if you're not excited about it like that's that's just not like why would you even do that that's insane um i'll say sometimes that like personal excitement doesn't always have to shine through because for a lot of people you know they have very i'm thinking of a lot of our polish developers they have a very uh, flat demeanor sure um but and that doesn't yeah but like people will get excited about a game yeah that the good. point it will catch exactly the, but the point is they care like as long as you, yeah. you have to care about it you have to be passionate about it um i'm not saying you have to be bouncing off the walls going like oh my god my mm. game's fucking amazing um <laughs> but you know you just you have to just care about it and and um yeah and the people that you work with if you work with partners if you work with a publisher or a, a pr age agency or or a marketing agency or whoever else it may be they should be as passionate about it as you are as well because mm. if they're not then why are you paying them uh, with your magic <laughs> jelly beans <laughs> because yeah. all they're gonna do is take those magic jelly beans and fuck off um so yeah it, it's really it is about so I, in response to your question hype 
hype is a very good thing, but only um, if it's if it if it's coming from uh, from a, a place of honesty. If it comes from somewhere real, at least you want it to generate opinion. honestly and kind of naturally on its own. Yeah, absolutely, and that that's where okay. you know things like places like Discord, like. Uh, mm streamers and youtubers or smaller blogs and websites who don't command these huge audiences but they are passionate they really really care about this stuff so you know you've got no better cheerleaders than people who are gonna you know under their completely out of their own free will (laughs) are gonna Mm. are gonna go out to support your game and shout about it and tell their friends because they they love it so much you know so yeah um yeah it's 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 about putting putting work in um to building that audience slowly yeah. organically and then i think then i think you create the the most satisfying hype you know whatever yeah. size hype that is it could be a hundred people or it could be a hundred thousand people or whatever it is um but that's that would be that would be my takeaway from that lovely mm. so that kind of ties into um, the question that I have about, so you're talking about generating interest, people really liking your game and them talking about it and talking, you know, between each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and as someone outside of marketing, looking in a lot of the time, there's, there's this sort of notion of pacing of buzz of energy around a game um, and how that affects how well it does or how much people get interested in it. Because we've had games that, generate a lot of buzz really early on in their development, but then something happens to delay development and they go off the radar for a while and it's a little harder to get them back into people's minds when they come out. Mm-hmm. Like, so what's like the kind of the shape of, of like, like I'm looking, I think I'm just looking at the sound waves of us talking right now, <laughs> but um, like, what's the shape that you kind of want your, your, your buzz to take well i mean obviously uh, ultimately you want it to uh, if it's a line graph you want it to start at the bottom and then and then sort of s- slowly make that ski jump right mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's that's what everyone pictures in their head but the truth is it's not really as easily defined as that and every game is going to have a different cadence um mm-hmm. because and every game should have a different cadence because they should all be unique um and wonderful snowflakes so um as much as i want to give kind of like a um a nice you know concise answer to a question like that Mm -hmm. i think it's something that's a little more difficult to define um Mm -hmm. sometimes a game can uh really go off like a rocket from the announcement either because it's um an exciting uh ip for example if you're doing a licensed mm-hmm. game or something like that um and people are like whoa holy fuck like um mm. then obviously that's going to generate a lot of buzz um or you know it could just be uh, it could it could have uh if your team has certain people involved that are maybe well known uh, you know or if you're um following up a previously successful game with a new game um, those are all things that can generate a lot more interest at the start of a campaign, um, mm-hmm. because it, there's a bit more of, there's a bit more news there. It's, it's, you know, news is new. That's the key. That's the key mm-hmm. part you have to think about. Um, and so the longer that your game is out there, um, getting coverage, 
uh, it gets less and it, the the newer it's not. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so uh, you know, you kind of. I think a lot of it boils down to kind of a preference uh, for you know where when you want to start your marketing. Do you want people to get an early taste of your game? You know, mm-hmm. a long while before it comes out, or do you want them to get a first look um, and get super excited, knowing that it's only a month away? You know, and yeah. I think that's really something that um, is kind of is kind of unique to each game and unique to each person mm-hmm. working on that game. Um, it can also be affected by things like partnerships with platforms platform holders for example um Mm, again mm -hmm. i was saying you know does nintendo want to announce it in a direct at you know a certain a given date or whatever Mm -hmm. um so some things could be slightly dictated to you um we for example obviously work with a number of different developers so we never want to line up our developers like dominoes you know so that all of their announcements are crowding each other out and things like that so that right. that can affect your your pacing as well making sure that you're finding uh pockets where you, you haven't got other things going on uh and hopefully you know other things aren't uh going on in the industry that's why it's imp- another reason yeah. why it's important to do your research right because uh you don't want to decide suddenly that you're going to announce your game on this day only to find out that because you hadn't checked twitter you know uh PlayStation 5 is launching that day. You know, it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You want to avoid the big things that exactly. you can avoid. Yeah, so I think that's... While, yeah, the while the overall cadence can change um, and is kind of up to you to set all of those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And at the end of the day as well, I think a lot of it just comes with kind of just the more you do it. Like, you gain more experience the more often you go Practice, through it, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's just, that's one of those things. And I mean, you know, a developer might not spend as much time going in and out of the marketing game, but certain members of a development team, I mean, a lot of teams have someone who is sort of that public face. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as someone who like yourself, you know, is doing marketing for games because it's, you know, it's a part of the industry. It's, it's a job. It's something that, you know, there are plenty of people who aren't developers that are also, you know, helping to market games, helping to get the word out there. And it's a question I have next for those people. What is your uh, an experience that you've had? And I'm curious what advice you would give to those people um, about shoveling shit. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you love shoveling shit. Oh, I love it. I love it. I live for it. Why do you think I work at Devolver? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and I'm sure nobody really enjoys it. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not cynical enough about this industry i don't think to to completely <laughs> write off every piece of shit game as like oh just some piece of shit that you know no sure sure and, and, um but there is a lot and, of that <laughs> and uh, i guess i, I guess have i have worked about... on a lot of shit over the years and um yeah uh this is you know pre-devolver um but uh, yeah i worked on a lot of shit and uh some of it was just cynical just you know money grabbing fucking dog shit and uh-huh. you'll be unsurprised <laughs> to learn that i gave it exactly the amount of attention that it warranted i mean if if you're in someone that's in a position 
uh, where someone is bringing this to you. If someone is bringing the shit <laughs> to you in their little plastic bag and leaving it at your feet and saying, please, will you help smear my shit all over the walls? <laughs> um, the best thing to do, honestly, is to just stand there and say no. <laughs> because if if you know it's shit and you don't want to work on it, don't. Um, uh, and maybe that's easier said than done, you know, like if people have got bills to pay. And sometimes you have a boss, people, yeah. People, you people have got job. bills to pay, which is fair enough. Um, but that's when, in those instances, uh, you just have to be smart about the way that you talk to people. Don't bullshit people. Mm-hmm. Don't sit there and try and pretend that it's not a piece of shit, you know, because then that damages your relationship with these people and they will stop to trust you, you know, because they'll be like, oh, I thought, you know... Uh, we had this like good working relationship, but then you yeah. just tried to. You put glitter on a turd. As a marketer, protecting your relationship is, as a marketer, like really protecting your relationship with those people is is valuable in the long term. So this is so this yeah this is a this is a PR thing, right? So what a lot of people um, don't realize about PR is that it's the exact opposite of what people think it is, which is <laughs> um, money exchanging hands in order to secure coverage. Like that's the relationship between say a publisher and a PR agency. It's like Mm -hmm. you pay the PR agency to go, you're good at doing this whole PR thing. Can you please help us promote our games? And then what the PRs do is they make all of that promotion happen without spending any money. Like that's Ah, the whole point of it. That's the idea. Exactly. That's why relationships are really, really important. And uh, particularly for PRs, because uh, they're the people who uh, talk to the press every single day, um, Mm -hmm. you know, about innumerable projects or clients that they're working with, games that they're working on, Mm -hmm. all different types of things. They see these people all the time at events. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're the coal face, right? They're the people in the front line doing this shit day in, day out, good and bad. They're not only having to try and promote uh, the games that they are really positive about and really care about, they're also having to perhaps fight fires, you know, with uh, a game that is maybe getting some negativity or uh, a a game that has um, maybe gotten bad review scores or is uh, maybe controversial for one reason or another. Um, You know, so they, uh, they spend a lot of time with the media, good and bad, so... Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, relationships for a PR person um, are very, very important. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, those are all my questions, Robbie. Well, fantastic. Do you yeah. want me to do a little recap? Because I've got some notes here. So oh, I can do, sure. I can do a little recap. Do a so, recap. <laughs> like the perfect little PR person, um, I will now recite some corporately mandated spiel. Uh, so, my little recap will begin with doing your research. Who are you talking to and why? So, if you're reaching out to press for the first time, think long and hard about the messages that you're trying to get across and to who. Uh, there's actually a really great talk by uh, Tom Francis. So, Tom Francis used to work at PC Gamer a long time ago. He's now more famous for uh, making... Gunpoint, and mm-hmm. what was the other game he made? Can't remember. Anyway, um, he made a, he did a really good talk. I think it was a GDC talk. Um, 
I think it's literally called How to Explain Your Game to an Arsehole. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's really good because uh, he he was that arsehole. <laughs> like, I think he says that himself. He was the guy at PC Gamer who developers had to explain their game to. Um, and now he's a successful indie developer. Um, so you can find that on YouTube. That's really good. This is a great, if you ignore everything that I've said in this <laughs> podcast, you can go and watch that video and it's really good. Um, I think it's important to, um, everything that you do for your game, whether it's, uh, uh, writing your store description or press release or creating video content, whatever it may be, um, inject your enthusiasm, um, and, and be as engaging as you can about it, um, without falling into any, um, traps, like just using loads of buzzwords and things like that. So we've talked a lot about being honest, right? So um, unless you're doing it with a heavy dose of uh, sarcasm, (laughs) then I would avoid, you know, hyperbole. Hmm. Um, The key thing, I think, when you're first um, looking at uh, how to to talk to other people about your game um, is, is to to really think about what's truly unique about it. Um, you know, whether that's the the team behind it, the inspiration behind it, um, any new approaches that you're taking or innovative things that you're doing in the game, um, anything like that, anything that could be a story. Like, think about those things as well. Um, those can be things that uh, surround the game and are not just based purely on, on you know, the, the, the game itself. Um I, th- I find that quite often people focus on the game and then forget that there's a human element to to bring in those games to life in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and a lot of people relate to the people who make games, particularly at the indie level. Um, so that that can also be a good a good thing to include. You know, any stories about yourselves and things like that um, can not only help kind of make you uh relatable to the people that want to play your game but can also make for some interesting stories if you have some interesting stories to tell so that's the first thing Um, be interesting be interesting don't be not interesting uh the second one uh talked about this a little bit already contacting uh, relevant media so identifying your relevant media uh, mm-hmm. you know do you love certain critics writers or websites um get in touch with them even if it's um not even if you you kind of know that they're not gonna cover your game reach out and just and just start building a relationship with them you know mm. um because you never know you know you never know when uh that person could be doing a roundup of fighting games and your game happened to be a writing game a fighting game and they're like oh i need some i need some games to fill up you know my article or i need someone to reach out to who's a developer who's made a fighting game i need an opinion on something and they'll remember you because they'll be like oh hey yeah my friend who makes this game is someone that's pretty cool and you never know when an opportunity that person who emails me about their fighting game once every two months during development so i'm gonna keep keep yourself in their mind i'm i'm gonna come to that okay (laughs) um so uh yeah so my first point anyway on this bit is that um there's no harm in being friendly to people in the media Mm -hmm. um 
you know, you want them to play your game, sure. Um, but, you know, even if they don't just, you know, if, if you like them, you respect their work or, or um, you feel that, uh, you know, they might enjoy your game, even if it goes nowhere, you never know. So, yeah, it's always worth kind of just being nice. Don't be a dick, basically, and, and make a bit of an effort to reach out to people. If, particularly if you think that they're great like a streamer or an influencer or a journalist whoever it may be um because a huge part of the job is is fostering those relationships with people uh, and then thirdly um this kind of ties into your uh well, our um previous episode about pitching mm-hmm. so while that was more focused around developers pitching their game to partners um, or publishers, uh, it, it, the, the same thing can be said f- for reaching out to streamers, influencers and the media. Because uh, first impressions matter um, and, um, and articulating who you are as people and having that personal touch to everything that you do is, is important too. Um, it's important to us when we sign games and it's important to media more important than you'd think actually um, is that human aspect of things Um, because people see a million different games every day right it's endless Um, so anything that adds something whether you know whether it's an interesting person an interesting story attached to a game can can help Mm -hmm. um so think uh, long and hard about who you're approaching, how you want your game to be perceived. We've already talked about that a little bit. Um, having a good balance between assets. So uh, if you have someone on the team who uh, likes to talk about the video games, make sure that they're available to answer questions. So, uh, you know, such and such is uh, available for interviews. Um getting your your copy for your stores and your press releases and things like that uh always good to have kind of long versions of talking about your game and short versions Mm -hmm. and then your assets your gifs your screenshots your trailer your b-roll a nice getting the balance right between all of those different things um is is worth spending a lot of time on um because you want to you kind of want to pack in as much info as you can um but in the most concise clear way possible um at least when you're very first reaching out to someone because you know everyone's time is limited uh so the the more quickly someone can digest what you're sending them or trying to uh to explain to them uh the better um and that includes you know putting all of your relevant contact information, links, you know, telephone number, whatever you're comfortable sharing, but whatever, whatever they, whatever somebody could possibly need. Remember, you're going to be nobody to most of these people and nobody's going to know what your game is or care about it in any way. So, um, yeah, making sure everything is there all in one place so that if they are interested, they can immediately get everything they need or get in touch with you uh, is all really important um pulling all this together as a as a press kit in one place so that people can go there and find what they need very very good it can be as something as simple as a 
um, a Dropbox link or a Google Drive, uh, all the way up to um, having um, you know a, a press site if you're a bigger publisher or developer that's maybe working on multiple titles. You know, you could have a, a whole press site um, with all your localized content and things like that on there as well. If you want to include things like uh, preview build uh, or or review keys, if you're if you're if your game's ready to just kind of be out there and reviewed by people, um, include all of that and stuff there as well. Um, it's all really good. And I've got two bonuses. So the first bonus is never ever send a high priority email to anybody. Secondly, don't CC a hundred different people that you want to send your game to that's bad form and lastly tying back to exactly what you said about the person who emails every month about their fighting game whatever you are pitching and whoever it's to don't fucking bug them don't send an email every day don't send an email every week um unless there could be opportunities if you're if you uh uh, adding updates to your game or something like that and you feel like you want to reach out to that spe- specific person who's ig- already ignored you before um fine but yeah don't do the bugging thing you know people are busy and they may not read every email or they may not get back to everything right there and then um don't just assume that uh yeah popping an email in their inbox every day is going to change that. If anything, it's probably just going to annoy them. What about, like, at major update stages? Say, <laughs> so, we've announced our game, and then a couple months later... Yeah, exactly. Here's the trailer for our game. A couple yeah, months so, uh, later, here's so, the gameplay. Yeah, Like, even exactly. if they don't respond, like, you still... I mean, you don't want to just completely abandon... No, so I did say that before. It's yeah. it's not... It's, it's not about ceasing, you know, all communication with these people. It's mm. not bugging them. Don't fucking hassle them. If yeah. you know, because it's like, why haven't you posted about my game? Why haven't you posted about my game? Like, just don't do that. Like, sure. if you're if you ha- if you are sending news, tangible news to these mm-hmm. people with like real updates, fine. That's great um, because you're you're getting in touch with them to say, hey, there's a new thing, um, mm-hmm. or hey, I got in touch a while back. Uh, I don't know if you saw my email, but uh, just wanted to let you know that. Uh, uh, there's a new demo build. So here it mm. is. If you ever get a chance to play it, here you go. That's great. That's a really good thing to do. But don't do the whole, oh, hey, did you see my email? Did you see my last email? Oh, I sent sure. you an email last week, uh, just following up again. Oh, hey, I uh, noticed that you uh, didn't get back to me. I sent you a DM on Twitter as well. I don't know if you saw that. but Yeah, you know. so you want to have a balance. You don't want to bug the yeah. shit out of people. No, yeah. Don't give I, up either. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's not about giving up. It's just persistence is fine measured persistence but yeah don't bug people just don't bug people and i think at the end of the day that's like a common sense thing as well sure you know absolutely if someone was doing it to you and you know it would annoy you don't do it (laughs) that's that's a simple way of looking at it oh and i had one last note actually so uh talking about utilizing mailing lists um which is something that i didn't really talk about very much because uh I was I was twattering on about twattering. I was uh, fucking on about uh, a load of other stuff. Um, but I, I think uh, the company Crows Crows Crows. They've done. Um, I can't remember the name of their games, but they've done. They do those like narrative type 
Steam games that surprise launch. I don't know. Anyway, um, I read a thing about them uh, talking about how they uh, got uh, people signing up for their mailing lists and then how they communicated about their games regularly and updates regularly with their, uh, people on their mailing list. Um, and I thought that was uh, that was quite cool. That was quite interesting for uh, indie developers um, to maybe have a look at. I can't remember. It may have been on uh, Games Industry or Gama Sutra or something like that but uh yeah that if if we find the link we'll put it in the description of the podcast but yeah that was the only other thing that I was going to mention that's it hooray that was a serious one I feel like such a serious guy yeah yeah it's a bit weird. Nice. It's a bit yeah. weird being a pro. <laughs> yeah. I've been spending all week watching anime. I've reached that stage of my life where Lovely. I'm watching anime all the time. What are you watching? Oh my god. Ah, uh, there's pigeons having sex outside my window. <laughs> oh no. What are you doing? Okay, let's stop now. Speaking of pigeons having sex, we've had another uh hashtag Fortcast tag on oh. Twitter. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. Real Eli Penner says, Dear hashtag Forkcast, who at Devolver is the best at video games? <gasps> well. So I've put some thought into me? it. Oh, yeah? I think it depends on the game, first of all. Okay. Um, I would say, as a generalist, that I am probably pretty near the top. Absolute uh, bollocks. <laughs> Jared is uh, also, I would say, very good generally at video mm-hmm. games, at like all different genres of video games. Yeah. Uh, depending on the game, Nigel can be quite good. I assume since you're in marketing and PR that you don't play games. Oh, uh, absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. Don't touch them. Disgusting. Uh, it's a filthy habit. Oh, I don't even um, like to be in the same room as them. That's fair. And that <laughs> definitely doesn't cover the whole team, I, I feel like. Like yeah. Andrew, like he's, I'd say he's probably really good at most in, games. Everyone in production is pretty good at video games. Yeah. So Andrew, Anna, Juan, they're probably all, and Jared. Yeah. So they're, yeah, they're all generally good at video games. Not Graham though. Graham's not good at video games. Cool. Did we get any other tweets? Or just that one? That's the only one. That's oh, the only one this so, week. Okay, listeners. Hopefully there is more than one of you listening. So if there is... Next week, we would like some more questions. Oh, uh, would we? Yeah. <laughs> always. <laughs> I'm always here for the questions. Fantastic. So, if so, uh, they should hashtag on Twitter, Forkcast. Mm-hmm. And they can mm-hmm. also tag Devolver Digital if they want to. And ask us some questions. It could be questions yeah. about Devolver. It could be questions about what you'd like us to talk about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it could be mm-hmm. all sorts of different things. And if you don't do the Twitter, you can email us, forkcast at devolverdigital.com. That's F-O-R-K-C-A-S-T. Did I spell that right? I think so. Oh, fucking hell, I hope so. Nailed it. Brilliant. Uh, What else have we got going on? Instagram, that's still a thing. Twitter, Mm -hmm, that's still mm -hmm. a thing. Those are at Devolver Digital. Yep. You're over on the old Twitcheroo. Twitch.tv slash Devolver Digital. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then uh, Discord. Oh, yeah, we got the Discord. Oh, we're having our contest for uh, for winning a uh, Hotline Miami uh, 
physical edition on the Switch for the Hotline Miami collection. How can people get involved with that, and how long do they have left? Well, it's too late to uh, put an entrance, put an entry in. Oh, well. um, but we are taking <laughs> votes. Uh, when this comes out, it'll be Thursday. Voting will close on Friday the eighth. Uh, we have eight contestants. Uh, some folks made their own medical masks. And they're really cool, really neat, Hotline Miami themed. Uh, well, one, one of them is technically Hotline, Hotline Milwaukee. Oh, fantastic. Uh, fucking riffraff. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so we've got that going on in the Discord right now, and it's pretty fun. Um, yeah, there's eight entrants. Three of them will be winning physical editions, and then the other five will get digital editions on fantastic. Switch. Fantastic. Yeah. So, yep, people can jump on over to the Discord. There's lots and mm-hmm. stuff going on over there. There's always mm-hmm. uh, plenty of conversations going on around games and this, that, Mostly and the other. Mostly Piku Niku emotes. Mostly just spamming Piku. Piku Niku emotes. There you go. So you can join the Discord for all of your Piku Niku emote Piku needs. Piku Niku needs. Piku Niku, Piku needs. Niku emote needs. Um, if you are subscribed to us on iTunes or places like that, but specifically iTunes, uh, please give us a little star rating and a little review. And maybe if you write something nice, we might read it out. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Have you been checking the uh, the iTunes reviews? Well, I left a five-star review, and that is, oh, yeah? that is the only review. <laughs> so we need some more reviews, please. I'm assuming people listen to this. Otherwise, it really is just me and you talking to ourselves every week. Mostly you. But you know what? You know what? I don't fucking care, because I like speaking to you every week. Aw, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. We'll hear you next week. You'll hear us next week. Yeah, coming in your ears. (laughs) Oh, next week, I think we're going to have a bit of a special episode, aren't we? Are we? Yeah. Is that next week? We might have a special guest on next week's episode. I don't want to confirm it now because it's not confirmed yet, but hopefully it will be. Oh, lovely. Mm. How exciting. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. I can't believe Come. it. Is this the voice? Goodbye, everyone. This is the voice we did at the start, which nobody heard. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, no. <laughs> it's time to go now. Bye.